Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. On the phone right now from Grand Forks, reporter at the Grand Forks Herald, Adam Kurtz. Adam, good morning. Morning. Thanks, Hal. Uh, thanks for doing this. As big a deal down there for, for people in Grand Forks today as it is uh, for us here, we're talking about it. I'm not sure how many uh, Winnipegers and Manitobans will actually cross the border, but we are seeing some traffic at the border. Well, I tell you, it is on people's minds. Um, people are, people particularly in the business community, you know, I mean, Canadians make up a, a huge portion of business for the Grand Forks region, and the real question right now isn't, you know, how, who will come, but how many. And we're kind of thinking it's going to be more likely a, a, a trickle rather than a flood of tourists, you know? Yeah. A lot of people are saying uh, they're ready, but they're going to wait. Almost a third of the people voting on our question of the day at CGOB.com are saying we're going to wait till a PCR test, a negative PCR test, is no longer required. And I know officials here in Canada are looking at that. Many people are saying it kind of doesn't make sense. Um, if you're if you're vaccinated, you're sort of sending the wrong message, saying, "Well, the vaccine doesn't work. We know it does because we're also requiring this negative PCR test." What what about down there? People talking about that as well. And and somebody asked, and I don't know. You tell me. What are the requirements for an American going across the border and returning to Grand Forks? Do you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've actually uh, crossed Canada on the first day, uh, August 9th, actually. Uh, another reporter and I went to, uh, we crossed the border, and there are a number number of things you have to do. You have to um, use the ArriveCan app, the smartphone application. You have to upload your passport photos and information into that. You have to uh, have a negative PCR test, and then you also need to provide proof of your vaccination status. So we had all of those things, and Ultimately, crossing was uh, was smooth. It was a piece of cake. I mean, there, because there weren't a lot of Americans going up. We weren't even in line for fewer than 10 minutes, I would have to say. But uh, it's getting the test results back in time to make that 72-hour window. That, that's kind of the tricky part. We, mm-hmm. we made it with, I think, minutes to spare. Really? Wow. Uh, and the PCR test can cost up to $300, but I've been told, you tell me, you're in Grand Forks, I've been told there is some free PCR testing available for Canadians in Grand Forks. Sure, sure. Yeah, there is some free testing here. Um, the way it works is it's put on by the Public Health Department in Grand Forks here. And on the University of North Dakota campus, there's a what's called the, the Fritz Pollard Athletic Center. They're doing free testing uh, Monday through Friday from 7 to 11 a.m. Now, Monday to Friday, I'm not sure how beneficial that would be for a Canadian visitor. You know what I'm saying? You would have to arrive Friday before 11 a.m. You can walk in. I've walked in before, but they're also asking you to call and make an appointment. Um, They say that results can be back within 48 to 72 hours. Now, if you go past that deadline, I mean, then you're just going to have to wind up spending another couple of days here get another test or something like that so that's that's kind of something that would be concerning this uh this testing requirement really is a hindrance to cross-border travel Mm -hmm. 
Um, back to businesses down there, especially hotels and, and restaurants, right? I mean, they have really missed us over the past uh, and our, our Canadian dollars, even though those loonies aren't worth as much. I'm sure they've missed our Canadian loonies down there. Uh, it's been a tough year and a half, almost two years, because a good chunk of the uh, business of the hotel or a restaurant, especially those industries uh, that they do down there, are, are Canadians, right? I can tell you for a fact that they have absolutely missed you. Yes, hotels, restaurants, some of the, the boutique shopping, things like that. The Grand Forks International Airport as well would be another one. Um, I can tell you that, yes, they absolutely have missed you. Now, as to what they're going to do now, once the now that the border is open, you know, there are some deals and discounts that you can find. I haven't, I think we had discussed, maybe we haven't yet, but uh, this, uh, Canadian at par. I haven't really seen that yet. I know that our our travel arm here in Grand Forks has uh, stepped up its advertising there, and there are some discounts to be had. If you look on, you know, um, visitgrandforks.com, I'm sure you can find some discounts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Where is, is Grand Forks at uh, when it comes to uh, COVID-19. We have seen our numbers slowly increasing here. This is the fourth wave. It's been, I don't think it's been as drastic as a lot of people thought it would be here, but we are seeing our numbers going up. What about Grand Forks? What about North Dakota? Well, hang on just a quick second here. Let me double check that. Let's see. I can tell you in terms of vaccinations, um, they have proceeded a pace. Uh, particularly in the eastern part of the state. When I look at Grand Forks County, you know, I think it's just like a, a hair over 56% um, of the population has completed the two-shot series. And, and now people are starting to get boosters, and that's rolling out. I think public health officials will tell you that it needs to be more if we're going to get to this herd immunity. Um, as to the wave that we're in now, and I kind of get confused and mixed up with them. Uh, we're in the third or the fourth. I know yeah. people in education and uh, at the university will tell you they still consider it to be the second wave. Hmm. You know, things got higher beginning in the September. Our cases climbed up and they kind of peaked at about 4,900 in, in early October. Now we're down, I think, active cases to like 3,300. So we're kind of hovering right now where we go up a little bit, we go down a little bit, we go up a little bit, we go down. It's certainly a far cry from, you know, October, November of last year, though, where there were 10,000 active cases in the, in the County. Mm-hmm. Boy. So Grand Forks County, as far as fully vaccinated is concerned, is at 56%. I mean, that's 20 or more points lower than us here in, in Manitoba. And we're even higher than the provincial average, I believe, in Winnipeg. So that may very well be a deterrent for many Winnipeggers and Manitobans. You can get in a car and cross the border. They may not want to with only 56% of people in Grand Forks County fully vaccinated. I've heard some of that myself. I've heard some talk about that. Manitobans tend to be a little bit more conservative when it comes to their health. And, you know, I I can't say that I disagree with them. I, I would like to see our vaccination rate take up even more, you know, as well. But that that could be a potential deterrent, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what about restrictions? Uh, are there any restrictions down there when it comes to, you know, going in a business or a restaurant or a mall, uh, crowd size, group sizes, anything down there, or is it pretty much wide open? 
We're pretty much the Wild West out here right now, Al. We're, uh, we're wide open. Their masks are still encouraged in businesses. And when you do go shopping to supermarkets and things like that, um, you will still, still see people wear masks. But uh, I think a lot of people have the attitude that, well, if I've gotten both of the shots and I'm going to get a booster, why am I wearing a mask? That's kind of the attitude that people have. But you'll see a lot of individuals, maybe people who are older, maybe people who feel they have an underlying health condition who are still masking up. All right. Well, listen, Adam, thanks a lot for this. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Al. I appreciate you having me on. I want to focus in on men's mental health right now with Winnipeg psychologist, Dr. Toby Rutner. Dr. Rutner, good morning. Good morning, Hal. How are you? Great. Thank you very much for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, we've had, uh, even from some of our hosts here at CGOB, some pretty emotional uh, conversations about, uh, you know, thinking about suicide and, and depression and and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it really, and it seems to me it's much worse now because of the pandemic. That's right. We're much more isolated from each other. We have been for a long time. And when we encounter people, they're wearing masks. So it, it gives us kind of a, a very strange, alienated feeling. It's more difficult usually for males because we've been trained not to express our emotions, to keep them inside, to suck it up and to be a man about it. And that leaves us in a situation where we're very isolated. Men generally don't have anybody to talk to when they have a problem. Well, and you know what else about, and I'll tell you something else about men, Toby. Uh, We don't, we aren't, we aren't as close to our friends. I don't think those are the sorts of things we talk with our friends about. Again, you know, I'm sort of, you know, describing the stereotypical male, but I do think there is something to that. Well, that's correct. You know, uh, we we don't want to talk to our friends and appear weak. Uh, We don't talk to our boss because you're not supposed to. Uh, We don't talk to our employees if we're a boss. We generally don't want to talk to our children or our families, so it leaves us with very, very few options. Uh, Many of the patients that I see are males who are feeling isolated and stressed with no one to really talk to. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember uh, when my dad was my age, 57, uh, he was basically told by his employer, listen, um, you know, that's probably it. Here's your package. You can stay if you want, but we'll likely have to let a bunch of people go. And my dad took the package and he left, but he really felt like he was letting his family down. And and I saw my dad break down and cry uh, when that happened because he felt like he was letting his family down. Now, that's, you know, m- my experience with my dad when he went through that all those years ago. But you made this point earlier in one of your answers. You know, men are, we, we think we're supposed to be tough and, and not have to talk about this kind of stuff. I'm just having a bad day, when it may very well be much more. Yes, very often with, uh, with our jobs, our jobs are a source of identity for us. Because when we meet somebody, we generally say, you know, what's your name and what do you do? What is your function in the world? And if you've been terminated... For whatever reason, it leaves you in a very difficult situation. In a less dramatic uh, manner of it, where we look at people who are old and retire, they then have to really reinvent themselves, uh, establish a, a new identity, 
and perhaps a new way of relating to the people around them. Um, things are changing where men are becoming much more aware of their feelings, but still there is a certain stigma attached to a man that cries in public. Yeah. And you talk about job losses. We've seen more people lose their jobs during the pandemic, which that has added to, uh, to what we're talking about. So listen, if, if a man, uh, is going through depression and, and needs to talk to somebody. And, and as I said, sometimes men don't have a lot of friends, uh, and they don't feel comfortable talking to their friends. Uh, I guess they can always talk to a professional like you, and I'm going to give some phone numbers and, and websites in a second here. If somebody out there happens to be listening and, and they do need help, they want a place to turn to. I'm going to try and give them some places where they can get help, but give me your thoughts on that. Well, it's certainly better than talking to the bartender. So I, you know, I think that I think that more and more people are coming together. I was at a meeting uh, just yesterday with a Veterans Alliance, and these are ex-soldiers who are really cut off from the mainstream and who have grouped together to be supportive of each other. And I think that we see that in certain situations, it's possible to have groups of people come together to be able to talk to each other, to give each other emotional support, to let us know we're not alone, and that the load that we're carrying, the burden of responsibility, is something that can be uh, made lighter by sharing it with the people in our lives. Um, if we are lucky enough to have a good family, um, we can share our concerns with our family. Uh, perhaps your dad felt that he couldn't because it wasn't in his role description of what a man in those in those days right. did. Yeah. And things have changed in the years since then and and now, right? I mean, we're we're we've come a long way for sure, and I think it helps too when we see, you know, of late there've been many athletes, high-profile people that have come out and said, "Listen, I'm I'm having issues with my mental health right now." And that gets rid of the stigma, right? When we see somebody going through it and being public about it, that that helps people understand that they can talk about it. They can talk to friends, families, uh, a professional uh, to to get the help they need. Yeah, it's really important, especially seeing sports figures who are vulnerable, perhaps even more vulnerable than the rest of us, because these people have spent their lives training themselves to push down feelings of fear or anxiety to play while they're hurt. And for them to then transition into a world in which they're no longer being an athlete, uh, it pays a heavy price for them. So to see them come forward, to, to be able to explain that they've had some issues and that there's light at the end of the tunnel. You're not stuck like this forever. Uh, you weren't born this way. You sort of learn that. And it's possible to learn a healthier way of dealing with the expectations and demands placed on us. And so I would encourage, as you're doing, for people to reach out, find an opportunity, find a place where they can speak about what's going on with them, and that can only help. And I'll have some of that uh, uh, 
resource uh, information in just a second. You know, we're going to talk about weather in a bit. We had a beautiful weekend, but there is cold weather coming, snow. I think sometimes when we change uh, to winter, not everybody, some people love winter, not everybody does. I think most people would prefer uh, the nice seasons. But when we change seasons to cold and, and snow, that itself can uh, add to the depression and our blue, our, our feelings of, of blueness. Well, especially if a person has kind of a rigid personality, it's difficult for them to change from one uh, mode to the next. Uh, There are people that love snowmobiling and ice skating and skiing, and for them, it's wonderful. But for those uh, those people who are a little bit rigid, they, they get into a routine of doing things, which gives them comfort. Now they have to change their routine. Now, um, Thank goodness I never put my snow shovel away, so I'm, so I'm ready. I hope you are, too. <laughs> You're ready, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Toby, thank you very much for this. I really appreciate it. it it's, an, it's an important issue, and we need to talk more about it. Thank you. Anytime, Hal. Dr. Bye-bye. Toby Rutner, Winnipeg psychologist, joining us here. And now if you are um, uh, listening, and we, we, we've been talking a lot about this over the past few days here on CJOB, if you do need help, you need somebody to talk to, you need somewhere to turn, and you don't feel comfortable doing it with your, your friends or your family, there are many uh, resources out there. Let me give you a few. Uh, the Clinic Crisis Line. The number for the Clinic crisis line is 204-786-8686 204-786-8686 that's the clinic crisis line there's the crisis service uh, services canada line 1833 1-833-456-4566 833-456-4566 66 and if you miss these and you need them just fire me a quick text message you probably know the cgob number uh it's easier to just remember that than these numbers if you do need them send me a text message at 204-780-6868 and i'll pass them on to your hal at cgob.com and then a website reason to live.ca that's an easy one reason to live.ca so if you're in need of help there is help out there for you as we focus in today on men's health and men's mental health